0: You can turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, I'm, I'm going to read this passage. There's two other passages I will reference that talk about or list the spiritual gifts. Okay? Uh, and so I'll mention those here in a moment, but I'm just going to read this passage here. And um, fair warning, there, um, the front half of this is front-loaded with... Information just describing the gifts that we see in Scripture. And then I'm going to make some apl- application of what are we to do with these? Uh, h- how do we know what we're gifted with? And, and how do we discover our gifting? So uh, we'll take some time. We're going to do an overview of the gifts first, just kind of get acquainted with, with what they are. And then what does God want us to do with those? And press into that. And then we'll lead into a time of... Just seeking the Lord and waiting on Him. And, uh, you know, we talked about the baptism of the Spirit last night. Maybe you need to just be filled afresh with the Spirit. We're going to ask the Lord to do that. And maybe, maybe as we go through this, there's a gift that you feel convicted. Lord, would you use me in that way? Would you gift me that way? We're going to ask the Lord to empower us with the gifts. And so... Uh, We'll read there, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 and 11. But before we get to there, notice the first verse in this chapter. Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Uh, I like how the New King James Version says that. I do not want you to be ignorant. And it's interesting because Paul makes that statement about a few things throughout Scripture, doesn't he? And what are the things that there's much confusion around? What are the things that there is, um, you know, a general unfamiliarity with? It's these things that Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to know these things. I want you to have them deep within your hearts as a part of your experience in following Jesus. And what we see from this passage is that it's God's will to, to work through us. It's God's will to know the gifts and to function in them. Let's read verses 4 through 11. It says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. Wills. The other two passages are Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. And I'm not going to read through that passage for sake of time. Ephesians 4 11 through 12 uh, also gives us another list, and I'll briefly mention the gifts listed there the gift of the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Now, with these gifts, we notice that it's the Lord who empowers them all, it's the one spirit. There's not a different spirit enacting each of these. It's the same Holy Spirit in a beautiful way of uh, diversifying the body of Christ, just filling us with these individual gifts. And the picture that Paul will later go on to say is like, it's a body, like a physical body. But it's the spiritual body of Christ. We each have functions, and when it works together, it's a beautiful testimony of God's grace to us. So the gifts, what are they? How do they function? Well, I have broken down the gifts into four different categories. And uh, these categories aren't definitive. There's overlap in these, but it kind of helps me kind of frame my mind around the gifts. And so the first are the speaking gifts. So let's look at the gift of tongues. What is the gift of tongues? Well, the gift of tongues we learn from 1 Corinthians 14 uh, it's, it's a language that God gives to an individual to speak that they, they have not learned. Or it's not their native tongue. It could be a, a heavenly language or an earthly language that God gives to speak. And the gift of tongues is, is from man to God. It's not from man to man. It is from man to God is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14.2. He says in verse 2, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. And so this is something I think is so helpful for us to remember in the exercise of this gift. When somebody's exercising the gift of tongues, they are praising the Lord. They are worshiping God for His glory, for His majesty, for His work. Now, unfortunately, this has been one of the most evaded gifts that that we have in the list. But, you know, it's one of the, the most... Edifying gifts. Every time I hear this gift function, I am so edified in my spirit. And it's a blessing that God has for us. It functions for the edification of the body corporately. But in order to do this, what we're going to see, Paul gives instruction for the next gift that we'll cover is the gift of interpretation needs to uh, operate in tandem with this gift for us to benefit anything from it in a corporate gathering. So practically speaking, how would that work in an in, in afterglow session. Well, if somebody speaks in tongues and there's no one there to interpret, well then we wouldn't exercise that gift any longer. Um, that isn't the practice of some, waiting for an interpretation, but that's what is clearly described in 1 Corinthians 14, is that there needs to be an interpretation, right? And in and, and that way we are edified corporately. But if somebody's practicing this gift in private, they can speak freely and be edified. Now here's the thing I'll say about this gift. There are many, if not most, and maybe you're one, who have this gift, um, who has at some point wondered, am I just making this up? Is this actually God giving me these syllables to speak? Syllables that to me don't make sense? And I would say, you are not alone. Uh, Most everyone that I've talked to who has this gift has wondered, is this the Lord? But here's what I would remind us, is that we trust God's Word above our feelings and our own ability to understand and comprehend His work. Because that's what this gift is. It's a supernatural gift. And so, uh, experience is not the test of legitimacy. God's Word is. And so, this is something that God has given to the church to function. So who receives this gift? Whoever the Lord wants to, right? The Lord apportions this gift to whomever He wills. And you can ask for this gift too. If, if, if the Lord is stirring in your heart to ask for the gift of tongues, you can ask the Lord for it. It doesn't mean He's going to give it to you. He may have other gifts He wants to give to you, but He might. And you might ask Him for it. And the last thing I'll say about tongues is that there's a teaching that says all believers have this gift. In other words, you aren't a Christian if you don't have this gift. We don't see that anywhere in Scripture, do we? In fact, what do we see? God gives you the ones He wants you to have, and they're not all the same. Interpretation of tongues. It's used in tandem with the gift of tongues. Um, Though, if tongues is exercised privately, it's not always functioning there. But when somebody speaks forth a tongue, God will give another individual, or whoever has this gift, the sense of what is being spoken in those tongues. Now, I think something that's helpful for us to distinguish between interpretation and translation. Translation is a word-for-word representation of what is said. But this gift is interpretation. In other words, giving the sense of what is being said. Many times somebody will speak in a tongue and they might say something short or something long and the interpretation doesn't match the length in our minds. It's like, well, wait a second. He, that was like four sentences of interpretation and two syllables of tongues. What's going on there? Listen, I think this kind of goes back to one of the questions that we had in the Q&A. We can intellectualize spiritual experience And miss what God wants to do. Doesn't have to match. Doesn't have to match lengthwise. And uh, just the example that I give is Daniel 5. With the writing on the wall. There were three words that were written. And the interpretation. Was far greater. uh, In terms of the length. Than those three words that were written there. The gift of prophecy. You may hear teaching or doctrine that says. This gift of prophecy is not in use today. And we discovered. And discussed a little bit during our breakout session that this gift is for today. Um, People will say that the gift of prophecy functions as good preaching or good teaching. Let me read to you two quotes. One is from John Calvin. He says, prophecy at the present day is simply the right understanding of scripture and the particular gift of expounding it. And another says, the gift of prophecy is simply the gift of preaching, of proclaiming the word of God. There is a a tendency to, again, want to shy away from these more supernatural um, expressions of of God's spirit. There's a temptation to want to, to understand it such that if you can't understand it, you don't believe it. And that leads to these types of conclusions. But again, we need to look at what Scripture says. Not pages of systematic theology. Not the blogs of our, our favorite teachers necessarily to see what they have to say. Well, what does Scripture have to say about it? The Bible forms our doctrine. Our doctrine does not inform Scripture of what God has intended for the church. It's a twofold gift. The forth of who God is, what He's like... And the foretelling of things to come. So, this gift is really unique. And as the gift of prophecy comes to an individual, how does it function? Well, there will be a, a specific thing that's brought to your mind to speak forward for the comforting, as Paul says, or for the edification, uh, for the upbuilding of the church. You will have an inescapable sense of the Spirit to speak forth what you are about to say. And it is a particular word for an individual in a season of their life about the nature of God or something that God is going to do or something will take place in their life or a direction that they are to go. You'll have a strong sense of what to say that will bring encouragement, comfort, or admonishment to them. And you'll speak forth what the Lord has brought to mind through the Spirit. Now, I'm not going to spend much time on this Because we really have to go through these pretty quickly here But I do want to touch on most of them But the thing with New Testament prophecy Is that there, always, there isn't always this Thus saith the Lord moment You know, I've found that this gift functions a lot When perhaps when I'm teaching a Bible study And, and I'm going through a certain passage And I feel so impressed by God To, to apply that truth in a particular way, in a very specific way for an individual's life. Or when a worship leader is leading worship and they say, you know, someone in here just needs to be reminded of God's love for you. You've blown it this week and you know it, but God is love and he loves you. Or um, prophecies about things that are to come. Maybe somebody has prophesied over your life that you would go and do something, or go and be something, or be used of God in a certain way. That's how prophecy can function. And it's a beautiful gift. And I have received so much from this gift in my life. And here's the thing. There's a lot of people who will say, yeah, this gift isn't for today. But you know what Paul says three times, essentially? Twice, very explicitly, is that this is the gift that he wished... People functioned in more than any other gift, and that we should earnestly desire to prophesy. When Joel gave the promise, in Joel 2, 28 and 29, the promise was that God would pour out His Spirit upon all flesh, and that the sons and daughters would what? Prophesy. Prophesy. This is God's gift to the church, to hear about Him, what He's like, and what He wants to do in us, so we should seek this gift out The gift of teaching is another one that is listed. It's a gift where someone has the ability to explain supernaturally spiritual concepts so believers can be edified, to bring clarity to spiritual truth, so that comprehension can take place in the believer in the study of God's Word, to discern the spiritual truths. And uh, the thing I would say is that the gift of teaching does not exist exclusively in the pulpit. That is not the only place that the gift of teaching functions. Maybe you're, you serve in the children's ministry and you teach the, the Bible studies there. Or maybe you lead a home fellowship and, and you teach the Word and you, as you discuss, you have the opportunity to teach. These are all areas where the gift of teaching can function. It's not just a gift that uh, is given to, to pastors. Certainly it is that but the gift of teaching has a, a wide range of application. It's so that we in the body of Christ can grow in the understanding of God's word and apply it to our lives. And I'm grateful for men of God and, who have had this gift, who have used it faithfully, because I have benefited from that in my faith. And I know you have too. What a beautiful thing it is. The gift of exhortation, we won't spend much time on this, but essentially the gift of exhortation is a call to action. You know these people who have the gift of exhortation because you kind of try and avoid them when you make eye contact with them because you know they have something to share with you to kick into action. There's one particular gentleman in mind. Uh, it, it's, his name is Guy Warner from Calvary Chapel in, in Lynchburg. And he is gifted with the gift of exhortation. He pokes his bony finger right into the middle of your chest. And it cuts deep, man. And he says, You need to follow the Lord, or whatever the exhortation is. But these brothers or sisters are so gifted to just call us to action in our faith. A beautiful gift. The next grouping is the knowledge gifts the gift of wisdom. This gift is a unique gift because it gives pointed, specific application. Or direction for a person in a given situation. You know, there's things in life and situations in life that we encounter where we just need God to speak to us to know what we need to do. And we don't have the answer. And the gift of wisdom is one of the ways that God uses and gifts the church to give direction. And when somebody says and brings a solution with this gift, there's a acceptance of it that this is from God. This is what I need to do. If there's a situation where there's dissent between brothers or sisters in the Lord, or if there's a clear path that's needed forward in a ministry venture, this gift will function to give that clarity. If there's dissent, there would be a specific wisdom for compromise. (coughs) If there's a seemingly unsolvable circumstance, there would be a remedy that the Lord would bring. And these would bring great glory to God and resolution to the circumstances. I think of the Old Testament, um, this, this type of thing happening with Solomon in First Kings 3, with the two women and, and the children. And one had died, and there was this feud between them. And Solomon's like, all right, let's cut the child in half. I mean, what kind of solution is that? <laughs> But but God had given him specific wisdom to know how to handle that situation. Obviously, the real mother was revealed because she wanted what was best for the baby, right? Think about Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, a New Testament example, where uh, there was a dispute between the Hellenistic widows and the the Hebrew widows in the daily distribution. And so, um, something needed to be done. And so the apostles gather together, and they're like, all right, here's what we need to do. The Lord gave them wisdom. Let's appoint men full of the Spirit to take care of this. And they appointed it. And what does it say at the end? Everyone was satisfied. The Lord brought wisdom for that. And somewhat like the gift of wisdom is the gift of knowledge that we see in 1 Corinthians twelve eight. Chuck Smith says of this gift, knowledge of things, this is knowledge of things that we could not know through acquisition or study. So this isn't just things that you learn in seminary, or in school, or by life experience. This is a supernatural gifting of God, bringing knowledge into your mind that you otherwise did not have for a specific reason about a per- person or a situation um, that God wants to work in. And you know, sometimes this gift, I've seen it, it function, is to reveal hidden sin in people's lives. This isn't the only way. Um, but I have seen this gift function in this way. It's, it, it's, a, it's a gift that functions to purify the church and to strengthen faith in, in those. And you know, sometimes we might be fearful of these types of gifts, like, oh, was something going to be exposed? Well, you know, If you're hiding something, you know, we have plenty of scripture that says your sin will find you out. And this is one of the ways that the Lord can do that is through this gift. So the gift of knowledge. Maybe God will give you a specific uh, drop of information about someone's life so that you can go and minister to them. Maybe something just happened in their life where they lost a loved one or they're dealing with doubt or fear or whatever that they haven't shared with anyone. God can give you that knowledge to go administer to them. And um, I tell you what, when you receive a gift of knowledge and, and you are prompted by the Lord to go and speak to that person, it takes faith to go to them. You know, I, I believe the Lord has shown me that you're dealing with this. It takes faith to exercise that gift. It takes faith to exercise all of them. But this is a gift that God has given to his church so that we can be edified and strengthened discernment being able to discern between spirits this gift i've seen function and we see to discern for the health and the benefit of the body of Christ you know people come into the church and what what have we read in the new testament that there are some people who are there with not good intentions uh, they are wolves in sheep clothing and the Lord will use, us, use this gift to give discernment, to protect the body of Christ from potential confusion. They will give, the Spirit will give you a check in your spirit about a situation or a person. Maybe, maybe you have plans that you've made or plans that someone else has made. And God gives you discernment about what could take place or that that situation isn't healthy for that brother or sister. God will give that to you to purify their lives, and to protect. Now, we also have the leadership gifts. And I know I'm, I'm breezing through these, but I want to give us just a sense of most of these, just to see how they, they function, and then see how God wants us to do these. The gift of apostleship. And we read this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Now, we don't use the word apostle today. But the, the, the word apostle means messenger. We would use the word missionary today. Is the gift of apostleship around today? Absolutely. We just don't use it. We use the word missionary, more likely. And um, this this is the gift that God uses to establish new works of the gospel through a messenger. Think of like church planner, someone who goes and plants a church or who goes out to be a missionary on the field, establishing a work for the gospel. We have many New Testament examples of apostles. Some are capital A apostles and some, excuse me, are not. But, of course, Paul, Titus, and Epaphroditus uh, from Philippians uh, are those who were sent out for the work. So the gift of apostleship is around today. People uniquely gifted to go and begin a work of God in a particular area. How about the gift of shepherding? Functions very closely... With the gift of teaching And um, as Tyler was talking about earlier They're they're really kind of inseparable The gift of shepherding and the gift of teaching Um, But the gift of shepherding God gives to people to care for the flock To care for God's people The gift of pastoring And this gift functions closely As I mentioned with teaching To protect and care for the sheep To look out for their spiritual health to teach them, to feed them, to warn them of dangers. And so, what a beautiful gift this is. The gift of evangelism. This is a gift that I've, I have, at times in my life, really wanted. Not about you, but um, brothers and sisters who have this gift just stir me up to want to evangelize more i mean uh, there are people like you know greg Laurie and um, of course billy graham and others who have just such ha- have or had such a gift just to lead people to jesus you know when they they preach the gospel people hear and they listen and they respond this gift of evangelism is given to people in the church to be uniquely effective and sharing the gospel wherever they are. Now, this does not mean that we don't share the gospel because we're not gifted necessarily with the gift of evangelism. We each have that personal responsibility. Uh, and that's not an excuse for us to not, not to share. But there are people that God has, has gifted, and I'm grateful for this gift, um, that when they share, people get saved. People hear and listen I mean, I don't know about you, but when I share the gospel, and this hasn't been every single example that I can think of in my life, but when I share the gospel, people look at me like I have three heads. You know, it's like, what, what are you talking about? You know, or every time I share the gospel, you know, not every time, many times it's like, and there's such resistance here, you're not getting anything I'm saying. And yet these brothers and sisters, as they share, there's just something that the Lord has gifted them with. It's this gift of evangelism and the Lord uses it to bring people into their kingdom literally building the church edifying the church by bringing others into the faith what a gift praise God for this gift and then there's also the gift of leadership in Romans chapter 12 verse 8 now we have what are called what I call the action gifts and i'm going to summarize just some of these for the sake of time but the gift of faith, the gift of faith, and, and I think of all the gifts that are hardest to explain, at least from my perspective, is the gift of faith. You know, because we're, we are all called to have faith in the Lord and to exercise our faith. But how does a gift of faith, faith function? Well, the gift of faith functions such that people who are given this gift will step out in great trust into something that God has called them to. Maybe it's a conversation that God has called you to. Or maybe, maybe God is stirring you to plant a church. Or to go be a missionary. It takes faith to do that. And a special gifting of faith. Or faith to trust that God is going to provide when all indications are such that He won't. Or, or you know, by, by natural standards. You know, I think of George Mueller... Uh, just some of the stories and the way that he operated in this gift. You know, that, that story where all the tables were set for the orphans. And it was just about time for school to start. And there wasn't anything to give to the orphans. And, you know, they, they, they go and pray. He prays before them. He says, Dear Father, we thank you for what you are going to give us to eat. He prayed that when the tables were empty. Knock on the door. The bread man came by and brought bread. He said, The Lord woke me up in the middle of the night, telling me you need to bring bread there. And as if that wasn't enough, the Lord caused the milkman's truck to break down the cart right in front. Milk and bread. You know, so there's a story of God's miraculous provision, but of this gift of faith exercising in that moment. What a beautiful gift. And the gift of healing. Uh, we, we talked, uh, Tyler dealt with this gift a lot. It's a, a, an amazing gift that God has given to the church for His glory. I think of You know, he mentioned Nanda and about 98% of the people who come to faith in Nepal are saved because of the gift of healing. It is, it's kind of like the gift of evangelism in a sense. The Lord uses it in that way so many ways. Bringing healing, individuals who have this gift are conduits of God's grace through physical healing and this gift very much functions today. You know, God is still in the miracle-making business. You know, God still heals. There's nothing that can stop Him from doing whatever He wants. And this is a gift that He's given to the church. I have been so blessed to see this gift function, even while I've been here. What a beautiful thing it is. You know, um, and, and here's the thing. As I was contemplating this gift... The Lord prompted me that I believe in our time of response tonight that God wants to gift somebody with this gift for His glory. And maybe God is stirring in your heart to ask for this gift. You need to ask Him for it. Why don't you call upon the Lord and ask Him for it? Ask Him to give you this gift. And when you receive it, Walk in it confidently for the glory of God and for the furtherance of the gospel. We see this gift in Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 14. Beautiful gift. The gift of miracles, very similar to the gift of healings, but more generally, this gift of miracles deals with the Holy Spirit overriding the laws of nature. Now, I'll be honest, I have not seen this gift function. But my experience does not inform my doctrine. Scripture informs my doctrine. And so I have not experienced it or seen it. But I know that the Lord uses this gift still today. And we have examples uh, of, of this. You know, I, I think this works closely with the gift of healings, especially miraculous healings where somebody's able to get up and walk perfectly after being lame for a long period of time. But it's even beyond that. It, it's, it's more into um, just the, like, like I mentioned, just the laws of nature that govern this world that God overrides. Think of Peter walking on the water or that water being turned into wine. These are ways that this gift have functioned in the New Testament. How would this gift function? You know, honestly, I don't know. I I don't know. I I have not had personal experience with it. Um, But maybe you have heard of testimonies about the gift of miracles working. I'd love to hear them. I'd love to hear how you've seen that gift work. Ah, Here's one of my favorites, the gift of serving from Romans chapter 12, verse 7. Now you might know this gift also as the gift of helps. And this is where God uniquely gifts a believer to meet the needs of the body of Christ. And not only this, but to do it with such effectiveness and care and joy for the building up of the body. It's a gift that frequently works in the background of the church. Not because it's less important, but because much of where this gift is used is in the peripheral aspects of ministry. Cleaning the church, or maintaining the church, serving in hospitality, organizing church items, helping to meet a need, or a, a brother and sister out. Those who are gifted in this area are the first to sign up when there's an opportunity to serve in a real, practical way. And you know, the, those who have the, the gift of serving, they are dear brothers and sisters who are so energized by serving in this way. You know, I think there's a temptation in our minds sometimes to kind of put classes of gifts here and, and there are some that are, you might say, are more um, demonstrably supernatural, like the gift of healing, or the gift of prophecy, or tongues. But each of them are supernatural, and this gift is a supernatural gift. We see this in Acts chapter 6. Again, those seven who were called to essentially wait on tables. And, and you know, uh, one of my favorite references is Acts chapter 9, verse 36. There was a woman named... Um, in Joppa. And she was kind of in a sense almost famous in that area among the believers. Why? Well, she had passed away and they missed her her working of full of good works and acts of charity. Full of good works and acts of charity. Just helping brothers and sisters out. Good works. Serving. And so what a beautiful gift. The gift of giving This is where whether someone's wealthy or not, God uses this individual and gifts them to be an instrument of his kindness and provision to believers or others who are in need. It's kind of like this person can't stop giving. They have such joy and effectiveness in giving to others when they find out about a specific need. Whether it's giving time or giving resources or giving uh, money, whatever it is, They love to give To meet needs And the last is The gift of mercy I know this is a lot of information here But we're going to bring it To a point of application The gift of mercy Is given by the Spirit To extend mercy To those who find themselves in need The gift of mercy God uses to bring and restore Individuals into the body of Christ Or to encourage them Um You know, Pastor Troy, you know, to, often would um, give this illustration of how all the different gifts function. And there was one particular time where uh, in the lobby, there was a, a part of the, a carpet that had been curling up. And, you know, kids can trip over that, that, that easily. And um, a, an easy way to, to illustrate that is like, what would be your response in a moment like that? To a child who had tripped over that edge because they were, of the edge of the carpet because they were running through, there'd be a whole variety of different ones. If you uh, if you had the gift of exhortation, you'd be probably telling them, "Don't run in here. You need to stop running in here, right?" You know, and the gift, of, <laughs> the gift of teaching, you know, coming along and say, okay, well, uh, this, is, this is how we need to fix this situation. Let me teach you. Let's, let's get some stuff to, to stick it down, and we'll, we'll get the carpet down, and we'll, we'll do that. And the gift of mercy is the one who's there comforting the child, loving on them, showing them mercy even when they shouldn't have been running through the lobby. You know, and the exhortation person is like, well, don't do that. They deserve, you know, they need to be more careful. So uh, the gift of mercy. There's a lot of gifts, aren't there? I think something that I, I hope we, we gather from this is that God's gift, God's body is beautifully diverse, beautifully diverse. There's three things I want us to primarily see is that each gift is supernatural. Each one is powered by, empowered by God. 1 Corinthians 4, or excuse me, 12, 4 and 7, we read this. But it says, "Eat to each, in verse 7, is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. And in verse 11, all these are empowered by one in the same spirit. Can we just take a, a step back for a moment and consider, God wants to supernaturally work through our lives in these gifts. This is God's plan for the church. This reality should floor us. That God wants to work through me, supernaturally, above my abilities, above my own ability to comprehend. You know, when Jesus sat with his disciples, he said, it's to your advantage that I go away. I don't know about you, but if I was, if I was to be sitting there with them, I'd be like, you are crazy. What do you mean it's to my advantage that you go away? Because this is what God had in mind. He would send the Spirit. In fact, He says that, right? In that same conversation. John sixteen seven. If I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. And praise God, Jesus ascended, it says in Ephesians, and gave gifts to men. It is to our advantage as well. That promise extends to us. That the Lord wants to and has supernaturally gifted us. And I would say this. If you are gifted with perhaps the less demonstrably supernatural gifts, do not discount the gift. Whatever gift you have, and especially so, (laughs) God has chosen that gift for you. He has supernaturally empowered you to have that gift. There are no goodwill gifts in the kingdom. There are no second-hand gifts in the kingdom. God empowers them all. When you teach the children's ministry and the children receive and understand spiritual truth, that is God supernaturally working through you. When you clean the building and you pray for the people coming in and they have a sense that this is God's house, That is God supernaturally working through you in the gift of helps. When you schedule those servants and organize the event, you with the gift of leadership or administration, that's the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father empowering you for meaningful, fruitful service so that the church can be edified. Wherever, however you are gifted, these are spiritual gifts. Remember That they are supernatural. And each gift is necessary. You know, Paul will go on to say in 1 Corinthians uh, verses 12 on down through the remainder of the chapter that we each need the gifts around us. The whole body needs all of these gifts to function and be healthy. Not one gift is more important than the other, and not, not one person who has a particular gift can say, well, we don't really need that gift over there. We need them all. He, he kind of says it in a different way in Romans twelve four and 5. He says, As in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. God is intended for every gift to bring edification and to benefit the body of Christ. He uses that analogy of the physical body in 1 Corinthians 12. You know, the example he gives is if the whole body were an eye, how would one hear? Now, that would be a sight to see. Thank you for entertaining me. Thank you. Thank you for entertaining me. But, but the point is well taken, isn't it? Because the body is much more than just the eye, the body is much more than just the ear. And likewise, one part of the body cannot arbitrarily dismiss another one because each is vital for the effect of working. Listen, I thought aches and pains came when I was like, when I would be like 60. But don't you... Have you ever woken up? This is for people who... <laughs> this is for people who are 30 and older, so... No. Uh, man, there are, there are some mornings where I realize when one part of my body is not working effectively. And, and it, doesn't just, it doesn't just affect that part. That part is not just affected. It affects the whole body, doesn't it? In the same way with spiritual gifts, we all are critical to the work that God it's not it's not that we are so special but the gifting that God has given to you is critical to the work that he wants to do in our midst it's needed which brings me to this point that if you are not active in serving in the body of Christ why not because God has gifted you you are needed The employment of your gift is needed for the effective working of the body of Christ. Galatians 6, 1 through 5 is frequently quoted in the sense that if if someone is weighed down by the the concerns and, and the burdens of life, we should bear one another's burdens. But in verse 5, Paul says, for each will have to bear his own load. I think that's an important word for us, is that we each have a load that God has given to us to bear in a sense of the gifts that he's given to us to function. The body of Christ is not one individual. We are individually, collectively, the body of Christ. We're gifted by God. We have supernatural ability to affect real spiritual change and fruit in the lives of those around us. Take a moment to realize that God has given you supernatural ability by His Spirit to serve Him in building the church and evangelizing the world. You know, I hear about incredible stories of, you know, and I'm sure you've heard them too, Muslims being saved by seeing visions of Jesus. Incredible, miraculous testimonies like this. But did you know how God has chosen to work through this age principally. That is through you and me. I love those testimonies. But the testimony of supernatural gifts in the church is how He has chosen to work in this age. And the last thing I want to encourage us with is don't neglect your gifts. Don't let them sit there. Don't leave them to waste away. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. Peter says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion Forever and ever. Amen. Be a good steward of what God has given to you. Paul wrote to Timothy, a young elder, who was like a son to him, a spiritual son. And he said, Do not neglect the gift you have which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Why would Timothy neglect the gift? Why would we neglect a gift that God gives to us? And I think there's a few things that can interfere with our exercise of the gifts that God has given to us. And I think the first is fear or intimidation or timidity or a concern that you're going to mess up. You know what? God is our Father. And He's the one who gifts us with these gifts. I am convinced that God would rather have to correct a Corinthian church, because evidently this is a testimony we have, a Corinthian church that was wild in their expression of some of these gifts, than to write to a church that wasn't using them at all. And to Timothy, he also writes, God has given us the spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Listen, you have the Spirit of God within you. The Spirit is the one who empowers these things. God will honor a step of faith when you exercise the gifts. He will honor that faith. We don't need to be afraid of messing up. If we do mess up, the Lord will show us the right way. He'll guide us. I think another thing is that we can undervalue God's gracious gift to us. And I think this shows when we grow inward in our thoughts, especially as it relates to service. And I think the thing I would just say is this. We show how much we value the gifts by the way that we use them. You know, when uh, when I was younger, my mom and dad, they gifted me a, a bass guitar. I play bass and... Uh, I love playing that instrument. I didn't didn't know that they were going to give me this. They gave it to me at Christmas, and it was such a surprise. And wouldn't you know, I was so grateful for that gift that I packed it up in the case, and I shoved it into the closet. And I didn't use it at all. And it's in this way I I demonstrated my gratefulness. No, of course not. Man, I ripped that thing open. I was playing that thing all day. I loved it. I couldn't believe that God had given it to me. And I think we need some of that, just, that, that fresh valuation of God's gifts to us. Like, wow, God has gifted me this. I want to use it. I don't want to shove it in the closet, let it collect dust. I want to use it. And I think the third thing is, is this. And Tyler, you can come for it. I'm, I'm wrapping it up here. We're going to move into a time of just response to the Lord and, um, and afterglow and just seeking the face of God. But I think another thing that can hinder us is that maybe we just don't know what our gift is. Like, Lord, how, how have you gifted me? And the thing I would share with you is this. I think we primarily discover our gifts As we serve God. It seems kind of backwards. You know, is there an immediate need that is around you in your church, in this fellowship? Serve in it. Take a step of faith and serve. You know, we discover our giftings as we serve. Philip, in the Gospel, or or, excuse me, in the book of Acts... He was one of the seven who were chosen to serve the widows in daily distribution. He was essentially a busboy. He was serving. But do you know where we see him later on in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 8? He is an evangelist, gifted with this gift of evangelism. He is telling people about Jesus in Samaria. The believers were scattered, and he preached the gospel to the Ethiopian eunuch. And in Acts chapter 21, verse 8, he is titled, Philip the Evangelist. I believe Philip walked into his gifting as an evangelist as he was serving tables in the early church. And this isn't some ladder type of thing where we work up to these other gifts. It's that God reveals gifting to those who are seeking to be used by Him. The gifts are not for people to sit on them. you will discover your gifting as you serve and the last thing i will say is don't allow anything to get in your way of fulfilling god's plan in your life don't let anything get in the way paul says in ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 that we are christ's workmanship created in christ jesus for good works which god prepared beforehand that we should walk in them god has work for you to do he has work for me to do and you know how he wants to do that it's through the holy spirit in your life through the gifts that he's given to the church